Ladies and gentlemen, now boarding for Latitude, the travel photography podcast on the Improve Photography Network. And now your hosts, Brian McGuckin and Brent Bergherm. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Latitude, the travel photography podcast. I am your co-host, Brian McGuckin. Along with me is... Brent Bergherm. Thank you. All right. It is good to be back together. We, I think we both have been traveling so much lately that we have had a hard time trying to make this happen. So we're excited to be back and jump in and share more about some of our travels. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see you, Brian. And uh, we have a lot in store for today. And first off, Brian, let's start with your trip. Most recently, you took, you went to Norway, Sweden, and Paris. Was there anywhere else that you went to? Uh, Copenhagen. Copenhagen or Copenhagen. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So tell us more about that. So yeah. So I had a, a wedding on October 14th, which just also happened to be my wedding anniversary. Nice. And it was in Sweden. And it's uh, it was a wedding of one of our listeners here, uh, Jeanette, who I had met back in Iceland many years ago, which is how I kind of got introduced with Improved Photography. And uh, so her wedding was on October 14th, and I have been kind of planning the trip for a while, figuring out how this was going to work out, what I was going to do, and what I was going to see. And the issue about October 14th is that was also my wedding anniversary. No doubt. So... That, that would be an issue. <laughs> well, it kind of was. And so we were trying to think, okay, how can we get my wife to be able to come out as well? And she and I have a nice little, you know anniversary vacation together and they were generous over there saying hey bring the whole family if you want but we just couldn't afford that and we had a hard time trying to manage uh, how school was going to work with the kids so unfortunately my wife was not able to come but we thought what a great opportunity for us to invite my daughter she's 15 she's a high school student and awesome uh, loves to travel she's only been to haiti but she has the same passion that i have inside because of that, that kind of changed my plans for what I was going to see, how I was going to do everything. But it made it almost more exciting because I had a travel partner. And usually whenever I travel, it's typically just me. So there was a lot of planning that went into it. Uh, one of the first things I did, I think we've shared about on a previous episode was I went and did the TSA pre-check. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, it wasn't the global pre-check. It was just the normal one. But I figured, well, that would just make it quicker to get through things. But I ended up not using it at all on this trip because my daughter was with me and I wanted to be able to stay with her. Right. But I spent a lot of time just planning out my trip on Google Maps and seeing, you know, where do I want to go? What do I want to see? I use the RGPS, you know, really great photo spots app to kind of come up with some ideas around there. And I just mapped it out. Do you do that as well when you are planning a trip? Do you map things out at Abs first or how do you do it? Absolutely. I love the, the Google Maps because you can, of course, make your own map and then you uh, upload that to your phone. And uh, I was able to utilize my phone quite a bit when I was uh, in Croatia recently. So I had a lot of the spots. Mostly I did my lodging because uh, my otherwise my intent was to just wander and, and look at the nice sites and whatnot. But definitely using the maps and, and keeping track of things that way is very convenient. For me, I like it because I'm the type that when I travel, I want to cram in as much as I possibly can. And I will give up a little bit of sleep if I need to. I don't mind driving across the country because it allows me to experience it and to yeah. see it. So for me, I kind of just plan out, okay, I would love to go here, 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 and all the different spots. And then I look at that and I say, okay, now what's feasible? What could I actually do? How much time do I have to get from here to there? What has to happen with that? So I'm just, I'm grateful for that. Uh, one of the things I'm most grateful for is in the past uh, for my iPhone, I always had AT&T. And when I had traveled abroad, I basically had to kind of turn it off. I didn't right. want to pay for any, you know, package stuff. Right. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm with Sprint and they just said, every time you get into a country, turn it off and back on and you'll be good to go. Hmm. So I had, well, I kind of had connection the whole time, which was wonderful for using maps. Um, I would be charged, I think it was like 20 cents a minute for phone calls, but FaceTime was free. So oh, wow. that, was, that wasn't an issue. So That's that was nice. nice. Yeah. I, I used Verizon and when I had to make a phone call, I was, it activates it as a $10 per day item. So you can do whatever you want. You have your normal data and voice and whatever minutes going on, but otherwise it's just $10 extra per day if you activate it on that day. 
So I did that, but mostly I used my little travel hotspot that I have where it connects to the cell phone towers and gives me a Wi-Fi signal. So that's what I use primarily. And that's great. And I know you were generous enough to offer letting me use that if I wanted to, but I didn't need to. So that was awesome. Cool. So, you know, after you plan out a trip, one of the next concerns is packing. What are you going to take with? How much do you need? Uh, I'm the type where I don't want to take more than I have to. Absolutely. You know, if I wear a, a pair of underwear and take a pair of underwear and rotate washing it, you know, maybe an extra one, that's usually good. However, this was going to be a different trip for me. So to me and, and with my daughter, one of the main goals of this trip was to, well, I guess I should say where all I was going. I didn't mention that yet. So the wedding was in Sweden. So I thought, well, if I'm going to be in Sweden, then I might as well go to Norway. Absolutely. And so then we decided on Norway. But then my daughter was coming with and it's like, well, if we're going to be in Norway, we might as well fly to Paris for a day, right? Why not? You bet. So then it's like, well, then from Paris, if we're getting into Sweden, we're going to fly into Copenhagen. So we've got to add that in there. So basically, we hit up uh, four countries. We were in Norway first, and then we went from Norway to Paris, France, and then from there to uh, Copenhagen and drove across the bridge in order to get into uh, down by Helsingborg, uh, southern Sweden, pretty much. So those are the four areas. And when it came to packing, one of the highlights of the trip for us was we were going to do this hike. If you have not seen it or you're not familiar with it, it's a hike to a spot called Trotunga, which means the troll's tongue. Hmm. And it's considered to be one of the most beautiful hikes in all of Europe. And so I had a pack accordingly for that hike. At the same time, I was going to be shooting a wedding. So yeah. I can't necessarily shoot a wedding in hiking gear. Right. Uh, you know, Jeanette was great. She's like, just wear whatever you're going to wear. We'll just, you know, say, oh, he's an American and, and everyone <laughs> will laugh. And, and, and it just, they'll laugh just like you did and it will be okay. But um, I like to have a little sense of style. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. So the main concern for me was trying to figure out, okay, what's my backpack going to be like? What am I going to use? And so one of the bags that I had that I wanted to definitely take with was this Think Tank Airport Takeoff Version 2. And what I love about this bag is it's a good sturdy uh, rolling bag that you can you know, take through the airport with you. But at the same time, you can unzip a spot and whip out these shoulder straps and wear it as a backpack. What's nice about that is there are times when you do want to just drag your bag, but there's other times where your bag needs to get up off the ground and you want to just get moving with it. Yeah. So that was one of my bags, but that's not going to be a good bag for the hike because to hike up to Trotunga, it's a seven mile hike up on rocks through whatever weather. Uh, and then it's seven miles back down. Yeah, so that's a significant wearing, deal. Right. And wearing this type of bag on your back for 14 miles of hiking is not necessarily the most comfortable. So I also needed to find, well, what's a bag that can carry the main gear that I want for my landscape photography and a tripod, but isn't going to be this huge bag that has everything in it. Right. And I, I really, I couldn't find, I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. So I used my old trusty uh, North Face backpack. It's a small bag that I use when I travel, which allows me to have two carry-ons. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like a big bag. It doesn't look anything like a camera bag. But I basically, I put my lenses in my socks and then put that in my bag like that. So it's uh, the only, I guess, padding in, in there is it's separated by my socks, which is great and fine, except for when you're climbing Trotunga in the winter and you keep slipping. Yeah. And I slipped and fell about eight times, landed on my butt. Oh. Um, and one time smacked my bag pretty hard on some rocks. And luckily it was on the way down. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to look at it. I heard <laughs> some bad news. I don't want to see it until I'm down because I still have three hours of hiking. Wow. And I got down there and it was all fine. And your daughter was with you this whole time as well? Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. So she was coming up on the hike also. And my wife, if you haven't seen Trotunga, first, you've got to just stop right now, press pause, and you, you've got to look this up after I tell you how to spell it. Unless you're so, driving. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for throwing that in there. Then pull over and look this up. So Trotunga is T-R-O-L-L-T-U-N-G-A, and it means the troll's tongue. 
And it's this kind of lookout rock that sticks out over a lake with an amazing view. And people like to go out and sit on the edge and have their feet kind of dangle off. Sure. And, and so my daughter, when I told her this was a spot that I was thinking about going to, she was like, okay, this is a must. We've got to do this. I'm excited about it. But my wife told me when we left, she's like, Brian, she is not allowed to even go out on that rock. <laughs> I'm like, come on. That's a, I said, that's the whole purpose. We're not going to hike, you know, for eight hours right. to not go out on the rock. So I told my wife, she's going to go on the rock, but I won't let her go to the edge until we get up there. And of course I, you know, I said, okay, stop right about there. And then she sat down and I had her scoot to the edge and I got a couple <laughs> quick shots and then she hopped off. All but, right. Uh, to me, this is my favorite selfie that I've ever got. Uh, part of it probably because I worked hard to get to it, you know, eight hours of hiking, but uh, it, it was beautiful. Awesome. I could sit there and go on and on about Norway forever and I want to, but not everybody wants to hear it. So uh, that was the main thing going up to Trotunga in Norway. And then we had a five and a half hour drive all the way across the country to Oslo to fly out of there. And it was the most beautiful drive I've, I've ever experienced. I don't know. Have you driven through many tunnels before? No, not um, not like what's in that area because there were some in Croatia, but nothing like what you experienced in, in that drive, I'm sure. Yeah. You're going through, you've, you're driving along these lakes, you know, and along the fjords and yeah. beautiful, beautiful trees. I kind of say that Norway is a combination of uh, the Smokies, the Smoky Mountains in a way along with the trees from the Pacific Northwest yeah. and the, and the train of Iceland kind of, yeah. to me, that's a combination, but the tunnel system is unbelievable. You're driving through a tunnel and all of a sudden you can turn and go down another tunnel. Oh, wow. Which I, I've never experienced that. Yeah. And, and then it gets better. You're driving down that tunnel and in the middle of a mountain, there was a roundabout. Oh. <laughs> In the middle of the mountain, you you had like three options to get off and go this way or wow. this way. But it was unbelievable. I've never I never envisioned a roundabout being in the middle of a mountain. That's amazing. The tunnel. So it, it just it was the most beautiful drive that we've ever experienced. Cool. And so along the way, we made a couple of stops. Uh, you can get on my Instagram. It's just Brian McGuckin, and you can see a handful of my pictures from the trip. Norway was, was unbelievable. Uh, when people ask me in the past, you know, where would you ever go back to that you visited? Hands down, it was always just Iceland, Iceland, Iceland. Now I think I would put Iceland number two and Norway is my first choice. All right. So Norway was great. And then from there, we figured, well, we're going to go to Paris. So let's hit up Paris for a day. Have you been to Paris? Way back when I was about 16. So it's been quite a while. Okay. Well, you know, to me, the main kind of sights to see are there between the Eiffel Tower and Notre Dame. And it's a nice little walk. You can kind of walk all the way down and back within a few hours. My daughter had never been, obviously. So, and I had been before. So we did some pictures of the Eiffel Tower and walked and stopped at some bakeries. And we went to the Louvre and you know how it's the glass structure up, up above. Right. So she want, my daughter wanted to get some cute pictures of her with that in the background. So we did that. And a policeman walks up to me. You know, there's a, a handful of guards walking around with their machine guns. And I assume they're machine guns. I'm, I'm not an expert in that. Right. And I'm looking through my camera, taking a picture of my daughter with the Louvre kind of behind her. And I hear a guy say, uh, don't take a picture of my friend. And I'm like, excuse me? He said, don't take a picture of my friend. And I'm looking at him and I'm looking at my daughter and I'm thinking, you don't know my daughter. And then I realized he was talking about one of the guards who like just walked like into the picture basically. Oh dear. And I'm thinking, yeah. I'm like, why would I want to take a picture of your friend? You, you have seen me taking a picture of my daughter. Yeah. Your guy walked in front of us. I told him, I said, don't worry. I'm not. I mean, I get it. I sure. get his reason for it, but it's like, buddy, I wasn't clearly. I was just yeah. taking a picture of my daughter. So Paris was fun. Uh, you know, she got to go to Notre Dame. Unfortunately, we were too late to get to the top to, to have the view of that. But uh, we just had a, a great evening there. And cool. it got dark. And you know what happens when it gets dark? The Eiffel Tower lights up. 
and that's when you have to turn all your cameras off. Yeah, I've heard that. What? So what have you heard about that? Well, there's, uh, I don't know who owns it, but someone owns the copyright to the light design that is on the Eiffel Tower, and they are very picky about it. Yeah, so picky to where, I guess, and, and I still don't, I'm still not clear about this. So the person who designed, who created the Eiffel Tower died in 1923. So as of 1993, uh, the image of the Eiffel Tower became public domain which supposedly is why Vegas has its little Eiffel Tower thing. Okay. But as far as at night goes, uh, I think it was for the for the year 2000, for New Year's, you know, they designed it to be able to sparkle. So right. I've heard that you're not allowed to photograph it, photographic, photographic, photograph it when it's sparkling. I've also heard that you can't photograph it at all at night once it's lit up because the lights are part of that. I've also just heard that you just can't sell photos of it. So I know there, the funny thing about it is the timing of it is the week I was out there, uh, I came across the article. Somebody shared it with me because I posted a picture of the Eiffel Tower at night from, I think there was an article in Petapixel about why photos of the Eiffel Tower at night are illegal. Right. So... I thought the timing of that was very peculiar. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> They're hunting you down. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> they don't listen to this. Right. And of, of course, <laughs> at night, one of the fun things about it is, you know, I'm also a teacher as well. I teach sixth grade social studies and the time difference was six hours. So there were a couple of times in the trip, including this time at night, where I FaceTimed one of my teachers. Oh, nice. And Yeah. And so... My students got to see me standing there with the Eiffel Tower behind me and, and lighting up. So that was kind of fun, you know, just for them to yeah, that's great. have that connection. And I turned the camera around and showed them not just the Eiffel Tower, but all the rats that were out, mm. you know, like ratatouille. Yes. As soon as it gets dark there, all the rats come out. Wow. And, you know, it's kind of gross in a way to me, but they clean up the streets. They, they pick up all the food and they wow. just take it away. And yeah, so that was uh, my students got a kick out of that. Cool. But when I was in Paris, because I've been there before, I wanted to try something different. And so um, I know there were a handful of photographers, including myself, that was contacted by Lens Baby about trying out one of their lenses. And so I figured I wanted to try to be more creative with some of the shots I got in the past. And so I, I, I got the shots I wanted. And then I played around with this Lens Baby Edge 50 lens. Hmm. Have you ever used one of their lenses? I have used some of the very first ones that they came out with, but not some of the more recent ones in the last couple of years. Okay. What are your, what do you know about, about those lenses or what are your thoughts? I think they're pretty cool. I used uh, version two and then also the third one, which kind of looks like, I, I say it looks like the Sputnik uh, satellite because it has these three prongs that you can twist. So they're screw adjustments. Mm -hmm. And so it actually holds the compression, whatever you want to call it in place. So you can get that sweet spot focus right where you want it and hold it there rather than just trying to hold it with your fingers and get a shot that way. Uh, I like the effect. I actually have a pretty good uh, shot of the Bellagio down in Las Vegas uh, using that where the sweet spot is right over the, the top portion of the dome, whatever you want to call it, that's up front in the Bellagio. And then everything gets progressively more blurry, out of focus, whatever the case is, that's special to the lens baby. Uh, so I like I like the effect. It's just not something I have done a whole lot of. Yeah, I, I've heard people comment saying that, oh, you could do that same type of look with an Instagram filter. Um, however... Mm, I don't know. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I mean, you don't get that sharpness and everything, obviously. Right. But what I did like about the lens, it took me a while to play with it, to be honest sure. with you trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, I did get some shots from like, Oh, Hey, that's kind of cool. You know, that, that turned out pretty neat. Uh, it's not my typical style, I guess. But what I liked about it is it forced me to be creative and to kind of look at things with a different perspective. Most definitely uh, does. Yes. Yeah. And so it, it was fun and I'm looking forward to playing with it a little bit more to trying to, uh, really fully understand it and how to best utilize it. So that was just a lens that I brought with me, which cool. I thought was enjoyable. Awesome. Yeah. And then from Paris, we end up uh, flying into Copenhagen. And Copenhagen, you know, is known for the fun little colored uh, restaurants and buildings there on the water. And I think New Haven or New Haven or however you want to pronounce it. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I saw your picture that you uh, 
that you showed me uh, made me think, not exactly, but very similar to Ireland when I was there back in 2003, I went to Ireland and just all those different wonderful wild colors on the houses and downtown areas of the smaller towns. Really cool to see all that. Yeah. And I, I got lucky. You made a comment on the picture I posted about the lighting on it. I don't know yes. if you remember that. Yeah. yeah. So I brought my lighting and uh, I caught right. the sun and it was cloudy and then the sun kind of peeked through and it was perfect because it lit up the buildings just above the uh, the umbrellas of all the yeah. seats there for the restaurants. Awesome. So that, that was fun. And it, it, really, so it was neat to to see all those colored houses for years and to finally actually be there yeah. and experience that. And, and doing that really brings the attention, of course, to what you want to look at and minimizes the attention to all those restaurants, which are, in my opinion, they get a little hideous when it's just, you know, umbrella after umbrella after umbrella marring the view. So it's nice to get it like that. It's pretty cool. Well, and like I said, it was also cloudy. So yeah. I got some shots of it when it was cloudy. And obviously you don't have the pop of the color. And right. sure, you can kind of mimic that a little bit, you know, with Lightroom and Photoshop. Right. But uh, the sun just does a much better job. For sure. So so that was great. And then we went and I can now officially say that I've seen The Little Mermaid, which uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's the, a little statue of The Little Mermaid. Um, because Hans Christian Andersen was born in that, in that area somewhere oh, okay. in Denmark. So cool. there's a little statue. And the funny thing about it is all the locals don't go and see it at all. I talked sure. to a lot of people and they're like, oh no, I've never seen it. I'm like, <laughs> you're only like 10 miles from it. They're like, yeah, we don't care. Right. But it was, it was packed <laughs> with a bunch of tourists. Huh. So that was fun. Cool. And from, from Copenhagen, um, we end up driving across this real long bridge to get into Sweden and then drove up to Sweden for the wedding that we had. Cool. Yeah. And so that we were there for the wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. Uh, pretty different uh, for me. I've never experienced many weddings from different countries. And so some of the sure. traditions they had were a little bit unique. Uh, it was kind of the most uncomfortable feeling. And, and I'm going to just, I'll take the blame for this was we went over the day of the wedding. We went there and we're doing some pictures at her house. And then all of a sudden people started to rush to go to the church and we get to the church. I went with, uh, the bride was coming a few minutes after and we get there. Everyone's running to everyone, meaning a couple of people in the wedding <laughs> running to the doors. They open the doors. And do you know what I saw inside the church? What's that? Everybody was sitting in the pews and the groom was standing at the front waiting. Oh, you want to talk about a little panic attack for a wedding no photographer. No doubt. I'm like, uh, I thought we were doing some pictures here before this started. And, you know, they open the doors and everyone looks back and sees me. With, and I'm like, <laughs> oops. Oh, boy. That's a little <laughs> uncomfortable. But it worked wow. out great. And five minutes later, I was set up. And then uh, then the bride came in and walked down. And and it was, it was great. Huh. And so it, it was a great trip. It was neat to experience a lot of different cultures and try some different foods and see some places I've dreamed of going before. Nice. Sounds good. It was good. So I'm also just thinking from my trip, now that I'm back, you know, I, I want to maybe like make some type of book, some type of way to record my travels. And I've been thinking mm, about yeah. that. And what I love about it is as I've been thinking about this, I saw that you kind of had a few ideas or topics you wanted to share. And one of them deals with an author and their travels. So what, yeah. what was this about? This yeah, book? absolutely. I've got actually several things that I just view as just a kind of eclectic collection here of smaller topics to think about. But uh, the listeners probably will remember one of the things I like doing is reading travel books uh, from people that have gone to various places. And there's lots of different you know ways to look at, a, at an area and whatnot. The most recent book that I've picked up, I'm a couple chapters in now, is by Albert Podell. And it's Around the World in 50 Years. And this covers... 50 years of his travels and his adventures where he has visited every country on earth, which is a pretty amazing accomplishment, I think. And I think it's fairly well written. He's uh, has it very fast paced, you know, going from just kind of bang, bang, bang from this to the next uh, item. Usually uh, books like this that I read, the author is going in fairly uh, detailed report of, you know, what the place is like, what the culture is like and that kind of a thing. 
But in this one, he's got 50 years to cover every country in the world to cover, which I think I remember reading in the, the preface of the book. He actually doesn't cover every single country in this particular book, but he covers the main highlights. And so, yeah, it's just a neat book to um, keep yourself inspired about the travel and all that good stuff. And I love the cover of it because the cover has yeah. a bunch of like passport stamps all over right. it. Right, right. It's I perfect. Cool. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. And then my other item that I'm thinking about recently uh, since my return from Croatia is that I really need to be on the hunt for a travel tripod, something that really works well for me. And I know there's lots of uh, people I'm connected with that have done uh, various reviews of individual tripods, a bunch of tripods and what have you. And so I'm going to spend the next couple of months uh, sifting through those kinds of things and trying to find something that just works right for me. I have a, a really small one by the company Slick, and it's uh, one I purchased about 15 years ago, 13 years ago, somewhere in there. And it's really great, super duper compact, uh, but it's also, because it's so compact and small, it's a little bit flimsy and it doesn't get very big. And when I put my 5D Mark IV on there with pretty much any lens I have, it's just a little bit too much for that tripod. It does fine, but it's a little too much for it. And then also my Enduro carbon fiber. I have a nice carbon fiber, good set of legs. But I know for yourself, I think you don't mind traveling with some with a larger tripod. Uh, I would prefer a smaller tripod, though, when I'm on an airplane. I think it would just, I don't know, it's just part of that big lug of, of a tripod lugging it around. It's just not something that I'm interested in bringing it on the airplane with me. Now, why is it that you don't want to carry it on with you? Well, it, there's a certain bulk to the whole thing, but I'm also, it's connected with uh, the next item that's on my list, and that is a, a backpack that I'm hoping for. Uh, it just wouldn't fit uh, or connect to a backpack that I'm kind of hoping for. I would then have to carry it separately or, or put it in a checked luggage or something like that. If I just had a nice compact tripod that got tall enough for what I want and is sturdy enough for what I need, uh, I think that would be the nice happy medium sort of thing right there. Plus, it is a little on the heavy side. Even though it's carbon fiber, it's still a little bit on the heavy side. I just need to find something a little different. It's great for shooting from the car, shooting while I'm going you know, on a day hike or whatever the case is. But when I'm going on a week, couple weeks long trip, I would prefer something a little more compact and something that doesn't uh, threaten breaking my shoulders. But are you wanting it to extend to, you know, six feet to that height or? I, I don't need it to be six feet because I, I think that's going to be impossible for what I'm looking for. Uh, something in the neighborhood of four and a half feet would probably suffice. Maybe. I know when I, when I had uh, that one trip, I had 26 flights in 25 days yeah. through Central and South America. And I had a little, I had a me photo tripod. Oh, sure. And that was great. I mean, it was a full size one, but it fit just right inside my camera bag. And then I yeah. you know, packed around it. But See, yeah, I want something that is the, the biggest I can squeeze into whatever bag I end up taking with me. So when I say travel tripod, I don't necessarily mean something that is listed with a travel tag on it. I'm just looking for something that is the biggest I can take, yet it's still smaller than the one that I have. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And maybe it would be a full-size tripod, that has four or five leg sections. That could be the solution too. I don't know because my current one has three leg sections. Now, you know, I was trying to find, um, so my plan was when I was going to Sweden for the wedding, since she was a photographer as well, I was going to use some of her lighting gear so I wouldn't oh. have to worry about mine. Right. But she didn't have any light stands. So oh I was trying to figure out, well, what, you know, what light stands could I fit? And the problem is I needed to be less than like 20 inches to fit into the bags that I had. And yep. I could not find any, I yep. couldn't find like all I could find 22 inches, but mm. all I needed was like, come on, take off three more inches. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't find any. So that's too bad. If you know of any, or if any listeners do hit me up with um because I plan on using them again in the future. Yeah. The only ones that I can think of, I have a light stand that does fold really compact, but I cannot recall if it gets down below that 20 inch level. Uh, it's only, it's really only for holding speed lights and a small umbrella might go along with it. It's not certainly not for a studio light, but I have taken those to, um, where did I take those? I think I took those to Ecuador once. And then I also took some to the uh, Dominican Republic as well. So I know they exist, but I have a feeling I put those in my checked bags rather than carry on bag. Do you always check your bags? 
it depends on the project and it depends on what I'm doing. So when I would prefer, when I go myself, let's say, uh, I would prefer to absolutely not. Those trips, both to um, Ecuador and Dominican Republic, I was uh, a photographer for a mission trip and it was my job to do lots of different photos and lots of different styles of photos. So in fact, the one in the D- Dominican Republic, I was also photographing the, the participants as they got off the bus and so I had a thing set up. I would photograph them right away as they got off the bus. You know, they're probably traveling 18 to 20 hours. Then they have a five-hour bus ride. And then here, we're going to take your portrait. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of fun. But I was making ID cards for every single participant. And we had about 300 uh, in that particular trip. So I was busy for a full day making that happen. But it was good and uh, made it happen. And we had, you know, nice compact gear. So it worked well. was able to do it without any problem. Speaking of gear, you're also looking into a new messenger bag, right? So I have a fantastic messenger bag. I really love what I have. Uh, that is the Tenba uh, 13, DNA 13. And when I was in Croatia, that worked really well for me. It was just something, though, I started to feel a little bit of a need to say, you know what, I would love to be able to distribute that weight on both shoulders. You and I are about the same age, and I don't know what your back is feeling like when you carry something like that, but... Uh, I'm looking at the Tamrac Hoodoo 20. They also have an 18 model, which is a little bit smaller. But that 20 is a fairly nice size. It would hold just the right gear that I need, which is my camera and three lenses and my 13-inch notebook computer. And so I like it for that. But the only thing really that it needs is a water bottle holder on the side because it just doesn't, for some reason, it's missing that. And if it had one on one side and another one on the other side, I'd use the other side to put my tripod legs in, and then I would use some other strap to uh, hold the tripod up top, and it would be perfect for carrying a tripod. But So that's the only reason I'm holding off on that one right now, so I'm still looking, and I'd like to see what I have, what I can find there. I don't need it to carry my clothes, I just want it to carry my essential gear for the day and see how that goes. And I have looked at just about every manufacturer there is, and there's another one by F-Stop Gear that I really like. So we'll see if we'll see what happens. And I'll certainly keep folks posted as I come across new items, as I might acquire one or borrow one or whatever the case is. We'll be talking about it more in the future probably as, as I finally come to a decision on that. You know, let me, let me share a thought about bags. Uh, if you've read any of the articles on improved photography, we've all shared about our thoughts on different bags. And I've done a handful of different bag reviews for right. improved photography. And I, I still feel like I can't say that there's a perfect bag. No, there isn't. And I don't, I, with technology today and everything that we have and how you can order everything, you know, ahead of time and then go pick it up and, you should be able to go to a company's site and say, okay, I want a water bottle bottle holder. Absolutely. I want a tripod holder. No, I don't want this strap, but I want it to be able to do this. And just click on a few options and do a little custom order. So it's the perfect bag for what you need. You know, yes, I want to so have awesome. a little compartment for, for my, um, my laptop, you know? And yeah, I, I get that it's probably not easy and I'm not a designer, blah, blah, blah. But you would think that's something that would exist today. Oh, that would be so cool. I would love to, I would love to see a website come up like that because I'm pretty sure it would be very popular uh, hey, to be able you to and choose I, like that. You and I, B&B bags. We, we just need Brent, an, an investor. Brian or Brian and Brent, one of those two. And, it, it, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll we'll invite people to put whomever first that they wish. That you know that that'd be fine. But yeah, we, we just need an investor, and I've got plenty of product designers at my school that I can uh, that I can tap into for some uh, help with those designs, and that would be sweet. You're making me dream. Hey, that's, that's a good, good thing. So you know, after I came back from the trip, I also had another trip. It was a, a small, just weekend trip to Florida for a wedding. I had a destination wedding down at Fort Myers nice. Beach, and that is where I used my uh, TSA pre-check for the first time, Very and cool. I loved it. It was so nice to go through. I didn't have to zip my bag open and take everything out at all. It was great. It was quick and easy on the way down as well as on the way back. On the way back, he asked me just to unzip the bag and keep it open as it went through. But I'm so glad that I got that uh, because I think that's going to be really helpful over the next few years for Absolutely. when I'm traveling, when I'm traveling uh, within the States, 
However, I know you're thinking about getting the global entry, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I finally decided I'm going to go ahead and bite the bullet and just do that. Uh, by doing so, I have to pay just a few dollars more than you did. It's a total of $100. And then I have to go for what will likely be a longer interview. And there's also fewer places that they do it. So I just have to just to have to, you know, pull the trigger and make it happen. So I'm looking to do that because it's my hope and dream to be able to travel internationally a lot more in the coming years. By doing so, I'll get the pre-check so when I travel, to travel domestically, but then I will also be able to do the global entry. When I came back from Croatia, this is where it really kind of sunk in. When I came back from Croatia, I actually came and flew in from Spain to Oakland, California, which you know might seem a little bit of an odd connection, but that's where I came in. And even in a smaller airport like Oakland, it took me at least 45 minutes, maybe closer to an hour just to get through customs, to get through the, the border check there. I should say immigration, but anyway, because uh, customs was pretty quick. So the global entry line was empty. No one was using it. And mm. I could have been through in less than five minutes if I'd had global entry. And I was like, man, you know, this would be really nice to be able to to just hop on through and just, just make it happen. Because I was already delayed on that flight. And if I had been able to get through in five minutes, I may have been able to make my connecting flight. And the way it happened was, though, I missed my connecting flight by a long shot, roughly an hour, hour and a half, somewhere in there. And so I had to stay overnight in Oakland and that wasn't very pleasant. So yeah, if I had global entry, probably would have saved myself a lot of hassle. And I think it's, that was an experience that just told me, you know, it's probably time to go ahead and just do it. Yeah. When I was sitting there with a the lady, I had asked her more questions about it. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, I just should have done that because it works for the regular TSA pre-check as well. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I, I'd have to go up to Chicago and she said, she's like, yeah, they're going to ask you a lot of questions and they're even going to contact your neighbors and ask your neighbors questions. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine with me. I've heard <laughs> some other people uh, say that that never happened for them. So I don't yeah. know if she was just saying that or what, but yeah, that, that sounds like the, one of the steps that I'm going to need to take in the future as well. Yeah, I think it'll be worth it. And then yeah. my last item up for bid on the uh, the old discussion here. Finally, I was, don't know why I delayed myself, but I finally purchased my ticket to Charleston. So hopefully I'll have my global entry before I fly out to Charleston so I can take <laughs> care, take advantage of my pre-check items as I head out there. So going to the retreat, of course, for the Improved Photography Retreat in March. And I have a workshop associated with that as well that's already sold out. And it's uh, just getting real excited about that. So... You do know that Charleston is inside the United States, right? Oh, yeah. But again, we get the pre-checks. So, <laughs> so it's, I've already purchased it, but I can still go back into the reservation and I can enter that, that known yeah. traveler number, as they call it. So, so yeah, things that are happening here and looks, looks like it'll be fun out there in Charleston too, though. Yeah, that should be a good time. Uh, let's take a break and thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Improve Photography Store. Check it out at improvephotography.com and then click on Premium Tutorials or Store. We have all kinds of tutorials available for you there, but also you'll find contracts that you can use in your photography business, Lightroom presets, and more. Check them out for as little as $15. We have premium training available to you. That's at improvephotography.com and then click on store. All right, here we are back. Thank you to our sponsor and let's get back to it, Brian. I've got a question that I wanted to ask you and uh, I'll answer it as well after you, after you take a shot at it. But that is, what's one of the most rare images that you had a chance to make? And by rare, I mean it's either one of, one of those situations where you are just blessed with tons of stupid luck or you maybe pulled so many strings to make it happen. So, what say you? Okay. All right. Oh, that's a good question. Does it have to be travel related? I don't think it has to necessarily be travel related, but it would certainly help okay. <laughs> if there was at least a tinge of travel in there. And may I have more than one? You certainly may have more than one because I actually have two as well. Great. Because I think as one of the co-hosts, I can keep talking and... <laughs> Everyone else would just have to turn me off or just listen to me. So anyways, all right. I love, love, love this question. Uh, you know, I have been extremely blessed with some crazy opportunities as a photographer. 
it, it was hard to narrow some of these down. I would say I've got some different ones for different reasons. So one I would definitely say is Trotunga that I just experienced because it was eight hours of hiking uh, through literally rain, sleet, and snow to get up there. It was with my daughter and the view was amazing. So I would say I worked really hard to get there. So that's kind of my pulling some strings, I guess, Okay. to get that shot. The luckiest, well, I'll have to explain why it's the second luckiest, luckiest in a second, uh, shot that I've ever, I think, captured was in Iceland. It was when I first met Jim. It was before we had um, any of the other podcasts, and it was just uh, Jim pretty much with Improved Photography. And we were standing there at night because we went to do the shoot the Northern Lights, and we're standing at the waterfall, and there's a... I never pronounce it right. Kirkjafell or Kirkjafell, however you pronounce it. That funky little mountain in the background. Uh, there were the northern lights, these green lights. And then there was something popping off in the distance at the horizon. And it was around the same time when there was a volcano that erupted mm. shortly before. So we're all standing there thinking, what is this? It's 10 o'clock at night. And we see this red, yellow light popping up and down off in the distance. and it, it comes up and it ended up being the moon mm. and it didn't look anything like the moon at all. And it just went along the top of the mountains in the distance and then dropped down. Oh, so nice. it, was, it was crazy. And at the same time, there's a shooting star. So I've got this picture with a waterfall, a crazy looking mountain, uh, Northern lights, the moon acting all funky and a shooting star all in one shot. Oh, it's amazing. To me, that is probably the most amazing. Unfortunately, the sharpness didn't come out that great on it because I was first learning how to shoot in Infinity with Jim and we were oh. having issues with my camera. But I actually, I'm looking at it right now. It, th even though it's not a perfect picture, it's a perfect memory. Absolutely. That's and awesome. so the reason why I say that's kind of the second luckiest is because the first luck, I guess, in a way, deals with Andrew Luck, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I have two football shots that I looked at later and was like, oh my gosh, I got so lucky on this. And the first one was the first NFL game I ever shot. It was Brett Favre playing for the Minnesota Vikings against the Green Bay Packers. Mm. So if you don't know, nice. Brett Favre was the Packers quarterback for, for years. Forever, yeah. Yeah, but what's great about this shot is he's standing there all by himself in his uniform. And in the background, the padding, you know, that they have in the end zone right. has the big Viking logo. Mm. And so it's him with the big Viking logo behind him. And I got the same type of shot with Andrew Luck and the horseshoe logo behind him. And they almost look like posters in a way. Cool. So those are shots that to me were all, they just fell into place and I got lucky. So a couple of them are travel related. What about awesome. you, Brent? Awesome. Yeah. Hearing you talk about shooting an NFL game, that's, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but that would just be really cool to be on the field like that. So anyway, one of the uh, ones that I have, uh, one is travel related in that someone else was more doing more travel than I was. I traveled to Pasco, which is like a half an hour to 45 minutes drive from where I live in Walla Walla. And back in the Bush uh, presidency, W., uh, he came and did a tour of one of the dams on the Snake River. And so he was landing at the Pasco Airport. And so I was able to get over there and photograph him as he got off the plane and got into the limo. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. That's um, one of my bucket list items is to get a picture of a president. And the, the strings pulled idea uh, that involves that is involved with that was that I was working at a newspaper as a designer for the advertising uh, department. And when I learned that he was coming, I was talking with uh, the friends that I had made over in the news area and found out that they weren't actually going to send a photographer over there. So I asked the news editor if they would be willing to fill out all the paperwork and do all that stuff that was needed for me to go over and shoot it. Because everyone knew that I was interested in photography and all that stuff. And an opportunity to photograph the president, I thought that would just be pretty sweet. And so they actually agreed. They would send me over. Uh, it was out of their readership area and all that stuff. So they weren't interested in sending one. 
but when I expressed the interest, I was able to get the morning off uh, from from work, and then I was able to go over there. And of course, as you walk up to the fence where they're letting you in the area, they've got Secret Service and all sorts of people checking your ID and doing all sorts of stuff. And I remember specifically one of the the questions that was asked. Uh, one of the directors was asking the people sitting at the table saying, did anyone show up who's not on that list? And they had said no. And I was like, boy, howdy. I'm sure glad I was on that list because <laughs> I'd be somewhere else right now, I'm sure. You could just be like, sir, I was just going to shoot the president. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's all I wanted to do. And then my other one that I have was actually when I was in Chile, I was in this uh, little town called, I think it was in La Serena. It's a lot right along the coast. And incidentally, that's where I want to go in 2019 for the next eclipse. But anyway, there was this uh, little church there. I think it was on a Monday. I'm not exactly positive, but I think it was on a Monday. And I had walked in and this guy was sweeping the floor and he had lifted all the pews up on end and pushed them off to the side so he could sweep the floor very easily and just walk straight down the line with a big dust broom kind of thing. I had asked him if it was possible to go up the bell tower and he kind of looked at me and kind of, you know, shook his head a little bit, shrugged his shoulders. And, but then very quickly was just like, yeah, why not? So he then took me over and we went up the bell tower and it was a very decrepit climb uh, up these little ladders and other little things. And the view wasn't that great and nothing up there was, you know, really cool or anything like that as far as the view is concerned. But just the fact that I was able to have that experience, uh, I'm really happy about and something that is very sharp in my mind. So anyway, those are my two items. That's great. Well, speaking of items, we know here that uh, by the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be just before the holidays. And so we both wanted to share, I don't know, maybe it's like a holiday wish list or just kind of an item that we're uh, maybe wanting to get next for us. And so for, for me, my item has been, I've had all these great opportunities to travel over the years to where I want to somehow remember that, that to commemorate that somehow. And I still haven't found the perfect idea, but I did come across something that is in the mail for me. So I guess it's not on a wish list if I already ordered it, yeah. but it's a scratch off map. So it's a very classy looking map because I want something that looks classy and you sit there and it's, it's gold and you scratch off the country that you've been to. And then underneath, I think each of the countries are like in color, but, uh, I think that's going to be something nice, especially if I can get a good frame for it. So yeah, to me, cool. I guess my wish list item is something that commemorates the travels that I've had so far with room for more in the future. Absolutely. What about, what about you? That's cool. Well, mine is something that is um, a little more geared towards the actual shoot, and that is I need some kind of rain guard of some sort, and so I've been looking around recently. I'm thinking of heading to the Oregon coast in February, and that's kind of a stormy time along the coast, and so I'm looking forward to some potentially awesome images with some great weather. But I want to be able to shoot even while it rains. So even though my gear is weather resistant and all that stuff, I would feel much better if I had some some kind of protection on it. So I've been looking around and seeing what's available. And there's things available for a pack of two from 825 all the way up to 150 bucks for just one unit. So I'm not sure yet what I'm going to buy, but that's on my wish list or short list otherwise. And I'm sure, you know, as the time gets closer, I'll keep thinking, well, I would like to have this or I'd like to right. have that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't need anything else. I think you and I were talking before. I've yeah. got everything I need to go ahead and pack up and, and leave tomorrow for a trip and that's right. And be perfectly fine. If it were to happen, it wouldn't be too hard to make it go. Yep. All right. So let's go into one of the things we like to end our episodes with is sharing a dream destination, a place where you'd like to go to. Yeah. And uh, yours is actually a pretty unique place here. Share it with us. Man, this came across my Facebook feed a couple of days ago. And ever since I've seen it, I'm just like, oh, I have to go. It's Ban Gyok, I think is how you would pronounce it. B-A-N space G-I-O-C. 
and that's in Vietnam. It's on the border of Vietnam and China, and it is the fourth largest border waterfall in the world after Iguazu down there in South America, uh, Victoria in Africa, and of course, the Niagara Falls as well. So it's a fantastically gorgeous waterfall if you search it up and take a look. I'm one who just absolutely love waterfalls. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the big reasons I went to Croatia was the fantastic waterfalls they have there. And so I found this and I was just like, well, I've been kind of wanting to go to Vietnam anyway, mostly just because it's on the map. But now I have a more specific reason to to want to head there. Yeah. And that looks beautiful. I've been to Iguazu. Yeah. Uh, cool. That That was amazing. And I am jealous of your Croatia trip because I've seen those waterfalls and oh. I'm attracted to waterfalls too. So this, yeah. this is now on my list. Awesome. So very nice. I love that. That seems great. Yeah. Uh, for me, my location is back to Norway to the, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, Lofoten Islands. That's I guess. pretty much how I would say it. I, I might Lof- say Lofoten, Lofoten? But, but I don't know. Tomato, tomato. It's, exactly. it's one of those. And I am admitting I do not know how to pronounce it. But uh, it was a place that had my daughter not come with me on this trip, I was going to plan on going up there because I'd have a couple extra more days and I would have surrendered going to Paris. Yeah. Uh, this is northern Norway. Just unbelievable. You know, the fjords, the fjords were on my list of dream destinations, I think a few months ago. And now that I've been there, I, I realize how beautiful it is and I want more. And Northern Norway is just unbelievable. And especially if I can get there uh, just during the Northern lights and, and with the winter, there's just some amazing, beautiful shots there. So that is my dream destination. It's the- like, it's like the fjords on steroids is how I might from other images I've seen of the fjords. I mean, that's just, absolutely amazingly beautiful and then you've got the buildings that are just clinging if you will to the rocky shoreline and that's gorgeous mm-hmm. absolutely it is man so we like stuff. to end we'd like to end each episode with saying goodbye in a different language and we often try to uh, tie it to our dream destination so brent let me hear your best vietnamese uh, goodbye all righty here we go tam biet tam biet tam biet i like that one it's very, yeah. it's very soothing. Yeah. Mine is in Norwegian, and I'm going to butcher it because that's what I do. But I believe it's hade. It's like H-A and then D-E-T. It sounds like they say, when I listen to it on Google, hade, 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 hade. That sounds reasonable. Anyways, <laughs> listeners, thanks for joining us. It was so good for, uh, for us to be back on the show together. And to have you listening to us, we we are just honored to uh, absolutely to be able to talk gibberish and have you listen <laughs> to it for a while about our passions and our trips. And we would love for you guys to reach out to us and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about as far as topics go. Um, share on Improved Photography on the Facebook page. Share about trips you guys have been on uh, or if you've got some advice on destinations we should try to go to or just uh, share about in the future. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, Tambiet. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect the views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned.